Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons, everything. I'm your host, as always, Ahmad Mia, partner at Caravan, a community-driven venture capital platform. Now, given the nascent ecosystem, there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them. Our mission at Caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages. You can find more information about Caravan at www.caravan.vc. In this episode of Caravan Podcast, I get to sit down with Ali Essen, the co-founder of Mango Bars and current head of growth at Circle. We got to have a wide-ranging conversation around the Pakistani startup ecosystem. It was so much fun. I can't wait for you guys to listen in and take out your insights from Ali. I do apologize in advance for the sound quality. My mic was not working in this particular instance. But let's get straight to Ali. I think the thing people recognize me from is Mango Bars. So I was the co-founder of Mangobaz and the CEO of Mangobaz until uh, 2019. And for those that don't know what Mangobaz is, Mangobaz is a online media company similar to companies like BuzzFeed, Gawker, et cetera. Uh, and we were focused on the online population of Pakistan. What do you look for like, as the CEO, for instance, of Mangobaz when you were working there? Hiring and getting a team. The in terms of hiring people, for I think first it's important to understand what is the, what the, what is it that the companies you're working on is actually trying to do, right? I think it's from there that you sort of extrapolate then the sort of people you want to have on your team. So when you when you look at a company like Mangobaz, the reason I wanted to start that company is because content was something that I was like really really obsessed with, and I, and I still am, and I think that's one of the themes. Um, that will carry over throughout my my career, however long long it is. Um, but for me, content was like a an an ama- amazing thing because I think if you look about if you look at at us as as human beings as people as as what makes us unique, I think it's our ability to make content and yeah. and spread our emotions and to express them. Right, that's I think that what makes us so unique from. Any other creature, right? Um, I happen to believe in biology. <laughs> um, so it's, if you look at like the differences between us and other species from like a scientific perspective, it's very, very small, the difference, right? And one of the things that we are able to do is is express ourselves in, in very unique ways. Um, again, this stuff is what I, w- I w- would think about. And just my own journey in terms of content was like, I always found a sense of identity, a sense of comfort, a sense of uh, understanding myself through content. So that was a mango Boss was like my first take at, you know, looking at how can you use this, this, uh, this passion for content and turning into a business. So when it comes to hiring, when it came to hiring for mango Boss, the thing I would look for one was just people who were genuinely interested interested about making content, who had a unique take on making content, who had thoughts of their own, who had ideas that they wanted to express. So that was one thing, um, because I think that was like sort of a requirement for the company itself. The other thing we used to, I used to look for was someone's ability to take a risk, right? I think when you join a startup, 
in Pakistan, it is like a, a risky business. Um, but then again, you can argue that taking any job in Pakistan is a risky business because <laughs> people don't pay you on time. Um, the third was just people, I, I would look for people that were looking to do something in the future and needed a stepping stone. And the reason why that was important is like, oh, I, I thought that if people were looking to do something in the future, they would be, they would have a self-motivation. Yeah. And so I think motivation is one of those things that you can't really teach people. It kind of has to come from somewhere. So those were the main things we would look for. Uh, and then obviously we, I also wanted to look for seeing as to how people would fit into the, the sort of culture that we we're trying to create. Um, you know, we didn't want to have someone who was joining with a personality that would be toxic to the workplace itself. Um, sure. Yeah, I think overarching, it's that those those are the things I'm looking for. You know, skills that were um, that someone could potentially acquire as well. You know, you didn't necessarily have to have the skills. Uh, you have to keep in mind, like, con making content as a, as a career, especially online content as a career, was not something that existed in Pakistan. Yeah. You have people making TV shows, sure. You have people writing at news publications, sure. But do you have anyone in Pakistan who has experience making content on YouTube, on Facebook, like making shows on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, et cetera? Not really. So it wasn't about we had like, a, you know, for in the initial days when it came to, when it comes to content creators, it wasn't as if we we're looking for people who could do that off the, running off the ground. But it was more so people who had the ability to learn how to do it and were interested in learning how to do it as well. I find it really fascinating the second point that you made where looking for people that like that the motivation element but the way you, you approach it where these guys want or girls want to do something else um, and so picking that what were some of the things that came out of those interviews and how do you like how do you like because a lot of the times you know when you're interviewing you don't want to tell them what you want to do five years from now sometimes because you're all like oh like because you want that job but this is a particular characteristic also of a lot of people that work in startups so you're able to kind of have that rapport with the hiring manager or whoever it may be right that you can be that open and something like this would not be taken as a negative would actually be taken as a positive you know what I mean? And, and I, I love that learning that you're grasping out. I just, I just like to go a little bit deeper as to how, like if you could give me an example of that, like one of those examples of, of an interview where that happened and how you would approach it, like what would be the question? Um, let me see. It's been a while, so I have to think a little bit. I think, you know, for the most part, people used to get very confused by, by these questions because um, they always was weird that I you're asking me. That. Yeah. Um, the thing I like to do was I would try to ask people, hey, what have you seen that Mango Boss has done right now that you think you can do better? Because um, I, I was generally, I, I generally just wanted to see if people can make stuff that we're, that we're doing in a better way because we want, that's exactly what we wanted. That's what, you, what you're trying to do. Um, and I think that used to confuse people quite a bit, but let's see who. They, there was um, this one person, she, she only ended up being like a freelancer, but she had read like a piece of content 
And this is like the beginning time. And I used to talk to like anyone who wanted to freelance as well, because I thought that was a, if, if I hired someone to be a freelancer in the beginning that I could potentially see if I can bring them on full time as well without having to work with them full time right now. It's just, I thought it was like a more efficient way. Yeah. But this person read a piece of content. She said, she sent me like an email saying, these are all the things that are wrong with this. And this is how I, I can make this better. And I said, okay, well send me something that you think is better. And she did. And it was better. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, wow, this is good. And, and we brought on board as a freelancer and she had a cush, uh, really comfortable job at Telenor. And there was no way we could offer like the same salary as a place like Telnor. But um, I, I, to this day, like I remembered her piece. I remembered my interaction with her as well. And I would have loved to have hired her, but it, it was like, a, you know, it was a great example of someone doing something like that. Um, I tried this with developers as well. Like I would give them like a task and say like, hey, try to see if you can make this better. Um, or if you can make something that like we haven't even thought about before. And this one developer who I did end up hiring, he went, he built like a different website uh, of that looked like ours, but with like some gimmicks that he thought were cool. So I looked at that and I was like, this is, this is, this is great. Like this guy's thought out of the box. He hasn't done, you know, just looked at what I've done and try to just optimize it in a way. He's trying to make yeah. like a different experience. He's trying to make it unique in his own way that he thinks is fun and cool. And I like that. Like, this is like someone who's actually trying to be creative. And when you look at Boxon, I don't mean to take this as a make a dig at anyone, but we tend to struggle when it comes to creativity in Boxon. And that might just be a function of, and I think it is strong strongly a function of the environment that people live in and the cult and the society that we're in, but it is hard. It is very hard to find creative people in Pakistan and it's even harder to find creative people who are not creators, right? Like you don't think of as a developer as being someone who's creative. Mm. Um, you don't think of a accountant as being someone who's, who's creative. You don't think of a HR person usually as someone who's creative. But that was what we were looking for. And I always, even when we hired people, pushed people to who are in different functions to create content, right? Um, I We had an accountant who ended up writing a piece eventually. We had an HR person who ended up writing a piece eventually as well. That's awesome. I love that sense of empowerment because um, that's what it is, right? Like, because what we also find whether it be in the schooling system, whether it be anywhere else, like you, you're given that one track mind, right? Like you have to be one particular way. So when you have to be taken away from this and you are put in, like, or you're zeroed out, okay, let's go find out. That's just like, it's two, like, you know, little sentences, like, I don't know, let's find out. They can really change the trajectory of anyone's career. Because at the end of the day, no one knows. Everyone is suffering from imposter syndrome. You put yourself in these kinds of boxes and to be able to kind of have the humility to understand that it's at the end of the day, it's gonna get me further because I'm willing to take the risk and willing to kind of, you know, experiment. Um, I'll just learn something new. Like you're learning more and more about crypto, right? Like we started the conversation by saying, I don't know, I don't know anything. I'm just learning as we're going. And and then a month later I have had an epiphany. So it's see, but it's, to your point, see that's that's one of the the 
unfortunately the hardest things that I experienced as, you know, operating inside of Pakistan is finding people who thought that way. Um, I think the education system in Pakistan, unfortunately, is designed, right, for you to follow, follow the rules, right? We, we don't teach critical thinking in the Pakistani system, which is essentially a um, derivative education system of the British system itself. Yeah. So, you know, you look at how everyone is, you're supposed to take a test, pass it, and that's it. That is the only criteria of whether or not you're intelligent. So because we don't teach people critical thinking at a younger age, like how do you expect them to be able to do problem solving as an adult? And sure. because of that, there's like, so the, 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 just the whole thing of when we talk about, I don't know about this thing, but I want to figure it out. That is such a, such a basic thing that I think is missing among so many people. Um, and, and I think that's one of the areas that, you know, I, sure I'm, I'm describing like a, a scenario of what I was looking for when I was hiring, mm -hmm. right? Obviously the way I'm describing it is, is a bit rosier than it actually was for one person that we hired. There's probably a hundred people that we passed on. So it is, it is very hard because unfortunately people have, it's hard to change. It's, it's not people's fault. Right. I, I think it's, it's unfair to say like, Oh, people, there's no good talent in Pakistan and like blame it on, the individuals themselves. So they are a f function of the society of the environment that they've been in. And I think it is a failing of the society not to be able to create an environment for people to be actually be able to push themselves and be better versions of themselves. For sure. I completely agree. Um, I think that, and I'm just, like, it, it, it I wonder, right, like, how does this change? Does this change with more startups coming in, more of that thinking kind of developing and not being, and, and having to be eradicated for when people do start working in startups? Like now you're seeing extreme people coming in um, and coming back to Pakistan. You're seeing all of these other startups that have raised money um, whose who's early kind of employees are leaving and starting their own companies. So does that derivative kind of chain affect it? Because the chances of, the education system changing are like close to zero um, in the short term. Although education as a whole on a macro level because of COVID is kind of sort of changing, more so in the West than, than Pakistan, I would assume. But um, a lot of stuff is being taught online. You can go on Skillshare, you can you know learn a lot of stuff. You can go to Udemy or, or any of those different things or those those different cohort-based classes that are you know all the raised these days. Um, what I want to get into and, and, and see, unpack you for this actually, is the Ali for Descript application. Because that was, for me, that was insane. Like when I saw that, I was like, wow, there's this guy. And like, it's just incredible because that is not just content creation, it's problem solving, it's understanding it and understanding the dichotomy of the company that you're applying to. So I just want to kind of get into your brain and your thought process when you were coming to that. And like, I'm going to link to the website. It's, it's still up if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, can see the I website. think so, it should be. So I, like, I, I really want people to see that because it, you know, like, it, even to this day, like some of my friends will just like have a LinkedIn profile, have a CV and apply the jobs and be like, oh, I'm not getting a job these days. Like the job market is shit, there's no jobs. But 
it's just, you're not being proactive. Like why, when you're getting 500 CDs a day, you know, and then people just don't think in that way. And there, there's not just that virality aspect. There's also like, even if you create something and you don't get what you're thinking about, you don't even know what path you're going to end up on. Because just by the factor of taking the time to understand yourself and what you want and how to like putting that up, there are so many like minutia of career paths that you can take um, and ways of thinking that you can unlock for yourself. And, and just showed that the, the whole motivated part that you spoke about earlier, right? Because you're now becoming that employee um, looking for a job and you're applying those exact skills. So like, just, just talk a little bit about any for these So To your first thing about um, how things will change in Pakistan, I think it is to what you said, right? About like excluding people coming in, um, and starting their own companies or them going to different companies. I think, I think that will help. I think what needs to happen also is more companies needs need to have an exit because usually if, if, I mean, I think India is like a good example and yeah. where we should aspire to possibly be within the next 10, 20 years, because there it's, it's like people had exits, right? Their companies either went public or they're companies were acquired by larger other larger companies a lot of those entrepreneurs from there they didn't just leave and they reinvested in the local economy yeah so i think that's sort of what we need right we need more capital injection we need you know we we need some more startups to actually fail so that they like are able to learn from that and use that to build momentum for the future um but it's just more talent will st- hopefully stay within the country versus um having again again this whole thing of like brain drain like people just yeah. leaving because they're like you know what it's working for me i'm just gonna go abroad and do anything uh, coming to my point um it's funny that i talk about brain drain when i ended up thinking boxing myself <laughs> so I, it was pretty hypocritical of me but uh, the, what happened with me was that I my, didn't, in terms of starting a company, it didn't always work out necessarily the way I wanted it to. So I then, I'm definitely going to start a company again, right? It's going to happen one day, but I kind of wanted to sort of slow things down to be able to learn from my mistakes um, and to get a chance to sort of like sharpen some skills and to be able to learn more and potentially use that as like a way of like launching and, you know, learn not just like about industry, but also maybe go to a company where I think they're doing something that I can learn from in terms of how to structure a company, how to grow a company and get an exit. So when I started thinking of, okay, well, I have to apply for a job. Obviously at first I knew like the sort of roles I wanted, but I sort of took a very product approach to like applying for jobs because, so I thought about, okay, well, who is this? Who am I targeting? Right. Uh, let me actually step back. When I when I was going to start applying for jobs, I knew one thing that they that is if I put sit on an application, submit online, there's no fucking way someone is actually going to reach out to me. Right? Yeah. Companies get so many applications, Very even if you're a small company, you're you're getting tons of applications, and it is hard. Right? HR, like I feel bad for HR people who have to look at a piece of paper and determine if someone is is a good candidate or not. Your LinkedIn profile is not going to do much either. No. Um, a cover letter, 
I mean, come on, if you're getting like tons of applications a day, like how, how much yeah, time yeah, do you yeah. have like to go yeah. sit there and go through and like really understand how great a candidate is by their cover letter? Sure, it helps, but I wanted to st- stand out. And I, I also was, did not want to be applying for jobs for months, right? We're in, in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people have been laid off. A lot of people are looking for new jobs. So there is in a way, a lot of competition for probably a less amount of jobs. So I knew that was the situation, but I, I, I also wanted to make sure that I stood out. I wanted to make sure that I was able to reach out to companies that would fit my personality and be able to sort of help me grow. And I wanted to make sure I was reaching out to, um, companies that were looking to hire people for the, the specific roles that I was applying to. So that was what I, that was my goal. So working back from that, I said, okay, well, who, if I, if I reach out to people, like, you know, what are they looking for? Um, so my interests were mostly in like growth or PM roles. So when I started looking at like growth or product management, it's like, okay, well, I can, I can either start applying for these jobs or I can find a way of standing out. So I want to stand out, but I want to make sure that I reach out to people who can, who understand that I can be technical and also understand that I can also be creative. Like I can make fun content and stand out. So I said, well, instead of doing this, let's, let me put together this website. Now, what is, what is the, the market that I'm reaching out to going through right now? What is, what are people thinking about? Well, we were in the middle of the U.S. elections and I was applying for a job in the U.S. So I said, well, a fun way, it, I knew it was corny. I knew it was dorky, but I said, you know what? That's who I am as a person. And that is what I want. Like if I'm working somewhere, I want people to actually appreciate that. So I said, let me actually make this whole campaign of me as, as if I'm running for office. So it looks like as if I'm running for the U.S. elections, but it's actually me applying for a job. So if, if you, you know, the one company that I thought of initially was this company called Discord. I'll get into why I picked that company, but I said, well, let me just make a, a, a website themed after like some political website. And then actually like up, like I actually went and like updated the content and like, I made like a political platform, which was the same thing as, you know, the value that I was bringing to the company. But so I went and I found this one, uh, politician from Georgia who actually ended up winning eventually. But I remembered his name because of that, uh, because I, I looked at the design, I copied the design. I said, this is a good looking website, changed the content, added my picture instead as if I was running for office. Um, and then I made like a, a soundbite as well. Um, a soundbite was made on this product called Descript, which was a company I was initially reaching out to, but I also was like, I don't want to spend like a few days making an application for just one company. Um, but at the same time, I knew that if people saw my approach, they wouldn't care. There was specifically yeah. for some other company. They would look at this and th- the companies that I wanted to be able to get whose attention I wanted to get, they would see that this guy actually put in the effort to do all this stuff for this one company. Like, he's creative. He's thinking out of the box. He's trying to do different things. And so Descript was a company that I was interested in because I'm very interested in audio content. And Descript was this company that I had been looking into. They allow you to make podcasts like edit uh, and transcript podcasts in a, in a very easy way. So I was using their technology to make my own podcast. So I was like, well, I like this company. I'm going to apply to them anyways, but I can use their technology to actually make myself stand out. So I recorded like a sound bite of, of like a teaser of myself 
um, using their technology and put it on the website as well. So anyone can hear that, which sort of was like a cover letter, if you will, but in like a very succinct way, because like, okay, this is yeah. a fun way for someone to get a teaser about me and be interested enough to reach out to me. So I put all that together and then I was like, well, I'm going to put this on LinkedIn, obviously, because that's where all the employers are. And even when I was putting this up, I said, let me actually fuck around with the messaging of this a little bit because I want to take advantage of the political environment and use that to my advantage. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty shameless about this as well. I was like, you know what? Everyone in this country right now is, has a soft spot for immigrants. Like everyone in this fucking country is like, oh, we love immigrants. We want to make sure, you know, like, especially people who want to Trump out. They were just like, look at how he's treating immigrants. So I said, I'm going to play, I'm going to use that to my advantage. So I made the image, the, the caption for my link being like, hey, I just got authorized to like work in the US, which means like, you know, I can, something to do with the, the long lines of immigration. Cause I was like, this is going to stand out. I, I know for sure people will read this and be like, oh, this is so amazing. Um, and it worked. I put it out. Like, I don't have any followers on LinkedIn. Uh, but that one thing that I put up was viewed by like a, f a few thousand people. Um, I got plenty of people messaged me and my current boss saw that message me on LinkedIn. And that was sort of how, what led me to where I'm working at now. And, and, you know, the company where I'm working at now has nothing to do with media. Right. But it was my boss, current boss. She saw what I was doing and it was something that she liked as well. And she was, it was, this was the sort of person she was possibly, I think, uh, this was the sort of person that she was looking to bring on her team to grow the team itself. There are so many amazing like lessons in that, just the way you describe that from like understanding the intricacies of what's being spoken about around the world or around your geography to looking at how, you know, utilizing a tool that you're applying for or, or whatnot to kind of, you know, make sure that people are familiar with what you're doing and then putting your own kind of creative spin on it. Like, there are so many things, man. Like, I, I love it. I, when I saw it and I saw those, those like, because it, it truly shows the thought in each element. And, 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 you know, there's like a couple of other examples of people successfully unsuccessfully doing this, but like, it's just putting something like this together. Like, I would love to see more of this coming out of Pakistan. Like, just, you know, like taking that initiative where you're going to understand, I mean, and, and it's it's all there, right? Like, it's it's, I mean, I don't know if you developed the website yourself and from scratch, but like, you know, put up a Squarespace page, and, and, you know, like link up a YouTube video, all of this can be done, even if you're not technical, like you just need to be resourceful. And yeah, I, I agree. So I did code the website just cause I, I, I had been teaching myself to code anyways. And I wanted to sort of show, show, show that off yeah. for the application part, but I agree. But at the same time, it's the thing is it's not people's fault. Right. I think when, even I was like nervous, like, I was like, should I put this out? Like, are people going to think I'm a joke? And then I just like double down on it. But the thing is like going back to the point before of, the, of people being a function of the society they grow up in, like it is hard to try to do something that makes you stand out in Pakistan from my experience. 
So like, even if someone has this idea of like, Hey, I want to try this something unique or something different in, you know, it can be something small even, but because it's like usually frowned upon yeah. that people end up like just not taking that step. Like, you know, we, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but this whole thing of right. It is like inherent in like so many facets of, of our lives that I think it holds back people from like just taking a small risk even. So yeah. I, I, again, I want to make sure like, you know, pe- we have a tendency to say like, Oh, people don't take this risk in box. And it's like, it's not their fault. It's just, you know, it, it is just like growing up in Pakistan is very different. And that's why we need more and more people to do things to, to fail, you know, publicly in a way so that we can learn yeah. um, and make it okay. Right. It's fine. Not everything doesn't but, always have to work out the way you want it to. That stigma of failure, right? Like the, like Lokya Kehenge is very much like public and that like you, like what are you doing? Why? Like you're failing and this is like it's frowned upon. Um, and you're completely right. Like we do need to, I mean, it's not just the public. I think it's a, a lot, in, like it has been internalized as well by people, right? Because it's manifested and now you have to kind of rewire your whole system to be able to kind of, you know, discount that or like take it away um, from yourself as well. I also want to, I also want to say that, you know, as someone who's saying like, oh, you should take the risk. Like it's okay to fail. Like I've been hypocritical. Like I am so sure like I, I know for sure, like when I was at Mango Buzz, that if someone came would have come up with an idea, um, I like definitely stopped them in certain situations. I was like, I, this is not going to work. I don't think this is worth it. And you know, that's one of those things that was was a failing on my part because how the hell did I know, right? Like I essentially stopped people from taking risk, and I, in a way, reinforced that whole thing of yeah. you know, if you take a risk, someone's going to put you down. So again, it is. I want to make sure I put that out there. Like I am no saint. I am complicit in this as well. Um, but you know, people need to be pushed harder to like allow for this to happen. Like it's, it's, I'd be very interested to see how this all plays out and how much of a factor, um, those exits and, and people kind of going out or coming back or, you know, having those exits, even in Pakistan, um, how that kind of affects the whole society. I think we're going long, but I just want to have, I have one last question for you. In the company that you're working in right now, you're, you're doing growth. Mm-hmm. What does growth mean? What does growth mean in a startup? How do you kind of define it? How do you achieve it? What, you know, because there's so many companies in Pakistan right now that are, you know, very early stage, whether it be the NICs or whatever, and they'll say that they want to grow the company, but then when you ask them specifically, how tactics what do you have in mind like there's no planning and there's no understanding but oh i want to raise x amount of money and i'm just mm-hmm. going to put it on facebook or whatever can you define that a little bit yeah so the role i'm in it's like a pretty broad role and it i report into like the vp of growth and product marketing who then reports to the ceo directly of the company and i was hired to build out the growth function of the company. So as the company companies at a phase now where it's like really starting to grow fastly. And for people who are, you know, read a lot of startup literature, it's the classic uh, blitzscaling phase. So I, that is the role is supposed to help facilitate that. So when you think of growth the way I like to think of it is 
start growth hacking. Um, some people who are in this in this uh, function, they sort of they get all annoyed when people say growth hacking. Um, the way I describe it is that, and it's going to sound pretty vague, but the purpose of this role, what the function itself is, that it is a role that is focused on accelerating the realization of the company's mission. And when you look at growth, growth is one of those things that comes into play after a company has found product market fit. Um, I think that's one thing people don't really think of, like the specific role that I'm in, like growth, uh, growth marketing, growth hacking, whatever. Um, this is something that people start focusing on after you found product market fit. And it is not just putting stuff on like Facebook or whatever. Um, when it comes to growth, it's more of like a, the role itself if, is a combination of product management of marketing and a bit of engineering. Yeah. So you're sort of like combining all those three and usually looking for non-traditional ways of really accelerating the, the growth of the company. And, and growth, again, is dependent upon like how the company itself defines it. But the approach is a bit very, is kind of scientific, right? You sort of, you look at what your market is, you look at where the different channels, where your audiences live, live in, um, because that is what the opportunity is. Then you think of ways of how you can optimize your product. Again, you have to first think of like, what are the metrics um, that I'm trying to optimize? What are the growth levers that I have at my disposal? Taking that into consideration, then you decide like which direction to go to, how to optimize those metrics, and then do that on like a recurring basis. So it isn't like, oh, I have this one hack that I can use to get acceleration. It's actually more so like having um, this cycle of experimentation Right. Um, where, and and th it, there's a lot of failures that happen. You're essentially experimenting, which is the thing I love of my job is that it is essentially a ton of experimentation. And, you know, a lot of it fails. Uh, some of them end up working out. But it is, I think it's like a fun job uh, where you really get to work with the key executives of the company and being able to, you know, figure out new, new ways for the company to grow that they may not have thought of before. Um, for example, classic examples of growth, I think that people will recognize are, for example, when Robinhood was launching, they launched a, a program where you could, you would join the wait list to be able to get access to the app. But that wait list was long and you could jump up a spot on the wait list by referring someone to Robinhood. By doing so, they were able to, I think they had like over a million people signed up for the product before it even launched. Um, that's one thing. Another, for example, and I want to share something that's more, I guess, scientific, quote unquote, is when Facebook was Facebook launched initially, they did some like experimentation and analysis of data to see that, hey, if people have, I think it was like close to 30 friends, I forget the specific number. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that, makes, that, that, that makes sure that people actually stick around the product even, even longer. So they made a change to the product where when you logged into Facebook on the site, I, they, now this is stuff, I don't know if people even remember this, because I mean, who uses Facebook, right? <laughs> um, but like, if you log in, there's like a, a small button there that says like, invite your friends. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn was a pioneer, a pioneer this whole thing where you could essentially upload your contact, yeah. uh, contacts into to see who was on LinkedIn. So you could find more people and 
be have like more value get more value out of the out of the platform itself so it's like again finding these different ways of how you know iterating on the product after having defined you know like what are the channels you want to optimize what are the growth levers you want to look at like but but also like what are the things that you're trying to grow for like you can't just like oh we have to grow because we have to grow our users i think you have to think about when it, when it comes to growth like what is fundamental to the growth of the business once you have an idea of that then it's you know sort of formalizing a scientific process around how do we get there so which goes back to what i said before which is again a broad term but the purpose of growth is to accelerate um the realization of a company's mission i love that and and it that also shows because it's it's not just just marketing it, it it cannot just be marketing like it needs to be product it needs to be engineering who are doing you know like for robinhood as well like the the initial kind of couple of screens that are shareable or get that kind of virality or the, the feedback loops that you need to be able to to grow those cannot be done on facebook or instagram marketing and and stuff like that so it truly is a package of you know being able to understand all that and i love the way that you kind of define it um i actually saw mm -hmm. across your journey so far what are three of the most important lessons that you've learned yeah uh, <laughs> three is a very small number so i'm 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 trying to think. more if you if, if you have more nikalo like let's, let's let's do this i think to be honest like i think it was there's one day where i was sort of thinking about this stuff and I wrote down a list. I don't even know what it is. It's like pages um, of, thing, of lessons I've learned. So I don't think there's enough time to actually go into it, but um, a few that I, one I'd say is you never want to be the smartest person in the room. I think that was something that, that can one is really concerning for the company you're in because it can limit the growth, but it can be a strong demotivator for you because if you're not learning, that's a problem. Um, if you're not surrounded by smart people, that means as, as an organization, you're able to do less. So really important, please don't ever be the smartest, room, uh, smartest person in the room, especially if you're the CEO of the company or the founder of the company. Um, Going, going back to what you said about growth, I think it's important for everyone at the company to understand what the growth metrics are of the company. So they can, so they know when, when certain decisions are made within the company, why they were made, or so that people can actually also themselves come up with ideas of like how the company itself can grow. The third is empathy. Um, you know, when, when you're running a company, I think people sometimes forget that you're working with, even if you're a tech company, I think people forget that you're working with people and the best way to grow a company is through people. So if you have empathy, it's just, I, I know like empathy has become one of those like um, buzzwords that people just throw around, but it, it is, you know, it became a buzzword for a reason. And I think in Pakistan, especially like, we don't talk about this that much about like knowing who your employees are, understanding what matters to them and making an environment where they feel comfortable sharing their ideas. Right. Because you can't, you can't build a successful company on the ideas of one or two people. Yeah. You know, no, no company today is, is 
what it was supposed to be when it first started out. Um, unless you're Jeff Bezos, right? Who's, who says that he, Amazon was always supposed to be the everything store, but he didn't foresee AWS being a thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it will um, soon be bigger. Or it's not, it's, it already is bigger. If I'm not mistaken. It is. It's the most profitable part of their business. Part of the business, yeah. So, yeah, you know, that, and that I think stems from empathy. Like if people feel respected, if they felt listened, heard, um, they will be more willing to, you know, give more ideas and, and give more to you. 100%. Ali, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking out the time and every single thing that you've, you know, imparted, imparted um, onto us. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any comments, your feedback, please do send them my way. Mera direct email address hai amad at caravan.vc. Warna aap hamare baare mein aur information hasil kar sakte hain on our website, which is www.caravan.vc or on Instagram. Um, our handle is at caravan.vc. Until next time, khuda hafiz.